data and information are what create success in finance. And social, as it's been applied to finance now, is a step forward. So all these social interactions create all kinds of interesting data sets to be analyzed. You gotta pick yourself up, go backwards, and slam yourself at the wall like 500 more times until the wall crumbles. 25% of middle school girls already believe they'll never achieve their dream career. career. Hi, I'm Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint. Hint. And you're listening to Unstoppable, a podcast spotlighting the journeys of inspiring entrepreneurs. I believe that at its core, leadership is about constantly learning from the people around you. And I'm so inspired by the conversations we're having in our upcoming episodes and can't wait to share them with you. This season, some of my guests include Rebecca Minkoff, fashion designer and founder of the Female Founder Collective, Diana Kapp, author of Girls Who Run the World, Andrew Dudham, founder of Hymns, and Eugene Rem, co-founder of Rumble Fitness, and much, much more. Plus, we ask the million-dollar question, what does it really take to be unstoppable? Let's find out. Hi, everybody. It's Kara from Unstoppable, and I'm so excited to have our next guest here, Alan Grujic. He's actually a neighbor of mine as well, lives in Marin County, and I'm just super excited to sort of hear just a little bit of background on, you know, his history and overall just what he's doing now. So Alan Grushik, if you guys are not familiar, he's an engineer and a finance professional, but he's had a long career in institutional investing and high frequency trading. He co-founded the Infinium Group and it grew to become the largest proprietary trading firm in Canada. Alan's current focus is on growing his company, his newish company called All of Us Financial, which I'm so excited to hear more about. And really, it's an innovative investor empowerment platform, but we'll get into that and actually have him do a little bit more explanation of that for all of us. And just really, really excited to have you here. So welcome. Oh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure, and it's great to uh, great to be speaking with you. You know, we've known each other quite a few years, so yeah, this is great. Really excited. So, first of all, can you take us through a little of your backstory? So, grew up in Canada, correct? Yeah, I was born in Toronto, and you know that's the biggest city in Canada, and a lot of people wind up coming from there if they're from Canada. But obviously, it's not the only spot. And uh, I grew up in Toronto and and other parts of southern Ontario. I was an electrical engineer for a couple of years doing robotics automation and other types of production automation for General Motors, and then got really interested in, in finance and uh, went got my MBA, focused in finance, got a job for one of Canada's larger banks, uh, TD Bank, actually one of the two largest banks in Canada these days, and uh, had a great sort of decade-long career with them in capital markets as a trader. As someone, I went to Europe and ran a, a trading business for them there, went to Tokyo and built a exotic structured notes business, which was all that kind of fancy CDO and credit derivatives type stuff that you, you may have read about. And that was super interesting, you know, mathematically challenging and also provided a real need for the investors in Japan, which at the time had zero interest rates. And this was unheard of elsewhere in the world. And they were trying to figure out how they were going to find yield. And we were helping them do that and interest rate yield. And so lo and behold, now we find ourselves these days where, where it seems, you know, a lot of the world has zero interest rates. So that's a real, that's a real, that was a real preview for me to what's going on everywhere else now. 
And that was the first part. You know, I did that for about a decade and I, I had the good fortune of living around the world. And, you know, I was married to Kaylee, who you know as well. And we had our one son in London and our second son in Tokyo. And finally, our daughter in California, we moved down here. So it was a real great kind of experience. Uh, after about a decade, though, I was starting to get really interested in what was happening with computerized trading. And I co-founded uh, with my former business partner, a firm called Infinium in Toronto, which really started out focusing on just general boutique business, but it expanded its high-frequency trading to the point that that was all we did. As you mentioned, we grew to be the largest high-frequency trading firm and proprietary trading firm in Canada. And it was incredibly fortunate timing, I think, for us as well. I hope we did a good job at it. But during the 2008 financial crisis, we also found ourselves in an incredibly volatile, crazy environment. And we found ourselves one month even being the number one equity trader in the country, and for the year we were for that one calendar year we were number three overall and so things were really growing like crazy and that again was about a decade of time that we built that out and we expanded to europe and and asia and south africa and we're on our way to south america and i came down to the u.s to san francisco because this was a great spot to build out our u.s presence that was in 2005 and after about a decade, as I said, of doing that, things were slowing down in the high-frequency trading space. It was around 2011. And my business partner and I were talking about, what do we do now? We've had this growth, and, and that's been interesting, but where do we take this evolution next? And he had come from a more of an investment banking background, and he really felt that his area of interest and expertise hadn't been expressed through our business. And I felt that high-frequency trading was really interesting from a high-speed, low-latency. It was crazy. We were putting computers at the exchanges. We had telecom lines across the Atlantic, but it was more infrastructure than model. And I was really interested in the models. And so off he went and created a mezzanine fund, which he does to this day. And I created and ran for a handful of years, a, a hedge fund that focused a lot more on the statistical arbitrage and the algorithms and really cool models that were really, you know, quite honestly, beyond even my capacity to understand I was working with. I, I knew what we needed to do, but I had quants that were helping me that extended my abilities far beyond what I have. And we built a great quantitative hedge fund that managed money for big institutional names, big Wall Street firms, did that for a handful of years. And again, that was extremely satisfying, but it all led to what I'm trying to do now with all of us financial for reasons that we... How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years. 
helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think, and makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. And get into, I guess, as we uh, continue the story. Yeah, so basically you left, you shut down the other company and what happened to the hedge fund? Yeah, so, so the, the high-frequency trading firm effectively morphed into the hedge fund, and so that was a continuation. And after a few years of running the hedge fund, 
I wasn't finding the, I was starting to feel that I really wanted to do something that had more impact on a broader audience of people. And, 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 you know, the institutional customers we had were great, but they were, they were professional, sophisticated, and I was doing a job for them, but I didn't really feel I was helping them to the extent that I wanted to. At the same time, on the return side, we were doing pretty well. You know, we had projected returns that were pretty aggressive and we were meeting those returns, but we were, we were finding that the environment was tough. We were finding that it was a, a tough environment to grow our business in. We'd raised a few hundred million dollars. We were not seeing where we were going to grow that path. And so, these investors take their time in terms of allocating money. And I, I said to them, you know, I'm thinking of winding this down and it's going to take a couple of years, but, but I'm letting you know. And we kind of wound it down, larger investors first, smaller investors later. And it took a couple of years to wind it down. And I would say net net that business was, was satisfying and probably also a little bit challenging in terms of the ability given the state of the markets to generate and grow the returns that people were expecting. us. So all of us financial stems really out of, your need and or your passion and, and what you were seeing in the marketplace. Like, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the, one of the things that I really remember thinking about during that period of time where I was running the hedge fund was, okay, I've really enjoyed a lot of the things that I've learned, but I'm getting a little bit older here. And, and, and am I doing things? My kids are growing up and I'm starting to think a little bit. I'm reading a lot of books and I'm fascinated with platform business models and the empowerment that, you know, there's good and bad in companies like Uber and Facebook and everything else, but it fascinated me the power of platform business models. I read three books that talked about how this is changing the world and, and empowering individuals. And I thought, I'm not doing that. I'm kind of doing more traditional old school stuff that I feel proud of, but I really like to be a part of this platform revolution and part of, you know, regular people being empowered by technology in the various services that, they, that, that they're encountering from their service providers and I can do that in finance because I'm not seeing a Facebook in finance. I'm not seeing an Uber in finance. And yet I have this data science background, which is exactly what I thought was relevant to empower ordinary self-directed investors because I saw them as on the outside looking in and all the data was you know, owned and collected and utilized by the companies that were servicing them. But they, I didn't feel they were sharing in, that, in, the, in those benefits. Just like to this day, people talk about Andrew Yang talks about, you know, how platform businesses are not sharing the data that, that, that should be owned by the individuals who are producing it. And so that whole theme was, was percolating in my mind about, can I create a business that actually not only leverages its capabilities to create returns on assets for customers, but returns on what else is valuable for those customers, which is their time and their data. And, and that's what all of us financial is all about. It's so interesting. So do you feel like just by watching these companies in other industries that were building these platform businesses, like, you know, typically I think about this all the time that you're, you know, when I was starting Hint, my company, it was like, okay, I've got to go figure out how Coke and Pepsi do things, right? And then instead I found that I got the most like inspiration and kind of the most, you know, overall kind of, all right, like this is the way that ultimately I think I need to try and do this is from other companies that were sort of trying to build kind of the platform or whatever that I was ultimately doing. I mean, it sounds like it was very similar for you that you were looking at these, you know, whether it was the Ubers or some of the others that were really kind of, you know, focusing on the platform side of that business. Do you think that that was true? Absolutely. And, and I don't, I don't know, you know, which came first or second, but there were a few 
transformative events that really got me interested in, in that space and what people were doing. And in your case, I think the competitors that you've cited were more directly within your industry, within your vertical. For me, I felt that the companies that were doing fascinating things to change how business was done were outside of finance. And so, you know, the things that happened in, in various sequence were that I actually invested in Facebook, for example, before it went public. If, for those that have followed that, it was a crazy ride where the stock initially went down when it went public and back up, but I hold it to this day, not all of it. I've invested in a couple other companies that I thought were extremely interesting that, that were doing things in a new way. And so I had a vested interest that way, but I also like to read. I read, I read a lot of nonfiction books. I try to keep myself learning, and I was reading books on platform business models, on, on the new mapping technologies, on a bunch of different things that really got me trying to understand the underlying nature of why these businesses were succeeding. And it's, it's extremely interesting. And I'm a strong believer that the whole world is moving in this direction where, you know, there's various, you know, if you remember when Andreessen said software is eating the world, there's books now written saying platform business models are eating the world. And those are the Amazons of the world and so on. And there's really good reasons. And there's just so much to learn there. And the more I did, the more I felt for me that the light bulb was really coming on, how this was super cool. And then I thought, well, but that's not, I don't see anybody doing that in finance. On the other side of it, as an interesting backstory, you know, Robinhood is the topic of the day. They've been incredibly successful. One of their founders, Bai Jubat, actually worked for us at Infinium in our Larks. We actually had offices in Marin and offices in the city. And, and you know, that was convenient for me living in Marin. And we had hired him out of Stanford. And I didn't even realize he came and worked for us for a little while. And I met him and he didn't stay very long. And he went on to found Robinhood. And I only realized that a couple of years later when I asked my former CTO, I'm like, why does that guy on TV look so familiar? And he said, well, that was by Jubat that we hired. And so I got the backstory. I'm like, oh, wow, what a coincidence. And, and so I started following Robin Hood. And I thought to myself, they're doing all these really great changes in UX. And they're doing, and I think a lot of the things that they've done, you know, like everyone else is good and bad, but they've done some things that have really changed our industry. And that's very clear by the success that they've had. But it was, again, it was, it was front end. It was UX, which is important but I didn't think it was platform business model. And so all of this kept pushing me to say, I really think somebody needs to create an empowering platform for users and finance because they're not empowered. And I can tell you why I think they're not empowered, but I've been an industry insider my whole life. And I've been keenly aware of that fact and thought that it needs to change. So why do you think that's the case? So I think that's the case because data and information are what create success in finance. And that data information comes from the accumulation of activities that people do. And social, as it's been applied to finance now, is a step forward. So all these social interactions create all kinds of interesting data sets to be analyzed. So if you think about what platform business models outside of finance do, they create interactions, they learn from those consumer interactions, data accumulates, and then they do things, whether it's selling advertising or other, and, and they monetize that. Well, in finance, data is also power, and all of our algorithms would trade off of either sentiment data from customers or market data or any kind of data we could accumulate, news, uh, technical information. And so in finance, this data that is so powerful is being held by the Schwabs of the world and by the Goldman Sachs of the world and by the Robin Hoods, and it's being used for various purposes, but none of those purposes are to fully inform the retail investors that whose success depends on having a greater understanding of what's going on and what's predictive for success. There have been some movements in this direction. There's another Canadian, Howard Lindzen, who founded a firm called StockTwits. There's a bunch of companies where there's a lot of streams of information, Twitter-style flows, but 
that I don't feel it's a lot of information in a fire hose format. It's very hard for these retail investors to digest all that and make sense of it. And what they're doing nowadays is they're hopping on through FOMO, fear of missing out, and they're following trades and there's copy trading. And I'm not a believer in that. That's a, that's a wider story, but largely it comes down to the fact that data doesn't become information if you're just overwhelmed by it or if you don't know how to analyze it. And the big firms all over different industries are succeeding in analyzing and monetizing the value of information. Retail investors need to do that too, but they can't do it on their own. They need to do it as a group. Definitely. I mean, I think it's, it's true in almost any industry that, you know, you start, you just keep playing the same cards, right? You, and as long as things are going fine, like why change? Right. And I think unfortunately these, you know, this platform, um, concept has come into lots of different categories, right? It's shaken it up in other categories. I mean, why not finance? It seems totally legit what you're, what you're doing in terms of, you know, the timing. So totally makes sense. So what do you, obviously we're, we're doing this during COVID, hopefully getting out of COVID, but, um, but how has this affected your business overall? And have you seen, like a rise in self-directed investing during this time? The industry has seen a huge rise in self-directed investing. We're pretty new. So our, our customer base is growing very quickly, but that's, I think, the nature, obviously, of, a, of an early stage startup. But we're seeing that even happen, not just with us and not just with Robinhood is newer that I mentioned earlier, but with, the, with what would be called the incumbent players, the E-Trades and TD Ameritrades of the world and the Charles Schwabs are also seeing growth in the industry. There's 30% growth is one quote I've seen of revenues and business in general since the pandemic started. So that was quite a surprise in some ways. Nobody was quite sure, obviously, when the pandemic started what happened. But, but just like just like the NASDAQ is, is you know, rocketing higher because it's a technology-based, self-directed investing is rocketing higher because it is a beneficiary of the greater focus that people are giving to investing during this lockdown period. And so, so yeah, so the industry has grown. You know, another, another thing that I did want to mention that I realized I was remiss to say is that it's not that data of retail customers isn't being used in our industry. It's not being used for their benefit. The, the big hedge funds have always looked and analyzed at all trading activity, and they are actually recently the beneficiaries of all this retail activity because they're watching it, they're analyzing it, and they are making money off it. And there's been a lot of articles written about that recently, a lot of statements made about how much money the Renaissance Technologies and others of the world are making off of retail flow. And so again, that's that's because there was a book written, I think about 15 years ago, called Wisdom of Crowds. And it's counterintuitive, but even people who are not experts, if you put them all together, will make better predictions on average than experts because they all have little bits of information. And when they're all not related to each other, their errors of their predictions cancel out. And what's left is signal, not noise. And so they've done studies where people can forecast sports betting or economic forecasts, or even there was a case where they, a bunch of people found a submarine faster than the experts that had sunk because wisdom of crowds, crowd intelligence is powerful. And, and the hedge funds understand if they analyze the crowd, they can learn. And so this growth in our industry is creating lots of data. And so now what we need to do is, is deliver that analysis back to the people that are creating that data for their benefit. And so, so it's a really exciting time in the industry. It's growing like crazy. It's still not being delivered back to the people creating the growth and activity and information and value. Interesting. And do you think that, I mean, obviously there's, there's lots of industries that are I mean, Facebook is probably one of them that's really been under the microscope. Do you think the finance industry and, and how much data and that, I mean, do you think it's 
it's going to be the same story eventually. Like the platform is really going to be, you know, looked at. Yes, absolutely. Our industry is very much going to come under the microscope that way. It already is. It's a heavily regulated industry. There's recently been something that probably sounds a little esoteric in what it's called. It's called payment for order flow. Firms that are offering free trading now are actually making money by sending their orders to those professional market makers, those names of which Renaissance Technologies is the best known, but there's a handful of others. And those market makers pay for that order flow for a couple of reasons. Market makers have always traditionally provided liquidity and made money by doing so. They buy on their bid, they sell on their offer. And so they're still doing that, but in an electronic way, and they actually pay tiny bits of money for each order that's sent to them based on the shares or the size of those orders, but they also pay for the information that those orders give them. And so payment for order flow is currently being studied in detail by the SEC and FINRA because as firms have gotten more competitive and offered free trading, they're sending even more orders to those market makers and receiving payments to offset the losses in the ticket revenues, as they call them, by payment for order flow revenues. And so, so our industry, very much that's being looked at at the moment. And there's other areas where you know, as firms leverage information for investing, particularly social, there's a lot of concern on the part of regulators how that's going to be used. There's firms outside of the United States that have traders that get paid by other people to copy their trading, and that has inherent conflicts of interest. And so the regulators are all over this right now, and social has come to finance, and it's unfamiliar to them, and they're concerned, and they're studying it. So it's yeah, it's very topical. It's, it's the heart of everything that's going on in finance right now. Very, very interesting. So, and how are you getting the word out about building the brand right now? We spent a couple of years really building this because you know, there was a lot to do. And it's a, again, it's a heavily regulated industry. And, and a lot of the infrastructure that I'd built before needed to be built for repurposed for the purposes of retail traders, because there are some similarities, some differences. So we spent a couple of years building and we only launched a couple of months ago. And so we're just starting to get the word out. This is why, you know, I was excited to be able to speak to you. We're just starting to create some digital marketing campaigns to try to help tell people about what we're doing. We are we're really mission driven. So we're trying to figure out how to explain to people why we're doing things the way we are. And so we're just learning right now. We're just, you know, we're, we're speaking to people. I'm on the phone individually with customers. I believe in these early days that getting both positive and negative feedback is going to be really important because when you come, when you look at it from the inside out, we deliver products and we think this is great and services. And then I've had feedback from people where they say, oh, I didn't quite understand that. And so it doesn't just help to give somebody something. You need to make it really usable. So we're focusing on the user experience. We're focusing on digital marketing, hopefully more conversations with people like you to get the word out. Because I really believe that what we're doing, I know it's mission driven and it's just a matter of getting people to, it's really new, getting people to understand what it is. People aren't used to seeing things that they see on our platform. I'd be happy to tell you, you know, about those differentiators, but I think we're really different from anybody else out there. And when you're that new, it also takes a little bit of time, I think, for people to get what you're trying to do. The founder of Betterment, I listened to his podcast and he, he talked about how in the first year people were, you know, it was hard to get, for them to get customers because people didn't understand quite what it was that they were trying to accomplish or what the product was. And now, of course, everybody knows what a, or many people know what a robo-advisor is. There's many of them. It takes a little while, I think, for new ideas, and I believe ours is, to be explained to people as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when Hint first came out, I mean, everybody, we would, we would say to people, uh, it's a, here, try this product. It's an unsweetened flavored water. And they'd say, what's it sweetened with? We were like, are you listening? 
right? You know, and, and so we had to educate. I mean, we not only, when we launched Hint, we not only were, were uh, launching a product, but we were actually launching a new category, which was unsweetened flavored water. And, and so I talked a lot about this. I actually have a book coming out in October, which talks a lot about this, that, you know, I had no idea um, when I launched this, that actually launching it an entire category in addition to a product, which, you know, while you have a few people that are in your category in your space that I, you know, saw very clearly that the consumer, they need to be educated. And often it takes time, right, to educate them. And, and it's not just about blasting a marketing message out there. It's really communicating with the customer and getting on the phone with them and really understanding are there, you know, really uh, things that are consistent amongst the consumers that they just don't really understand. And and it's frustrating, frankly, sometimes because you think like, you know, I've got to spend all this time educating versus actually building my own brand. And when you when you have to educate an industry. So something I talk about all the time, it's great when you actually have competition um, out there because they can actually help you build, you know, really get consumers focused on what you guys are trying to do as a category. And then it's your um, challenge, your opportunity to actually go and say that you're the best, right? And and really show you're the best at it. But that's, that's what I, I always find in these conversations that um, we figure out that we're all, all these industries have things that are, you know, so similar right? Similar challenges along the way. It's just different widgets. This one in particular seems very similar in many, in many, many ways. So what are you most excited about this year besides growing the company? Well, so let me, let me pause before you, I get to that, because I, I wanted to say that, that, you know, I, we've known each other for quite a while now. I mean, our, if you think about it, our kids, boy, they started in school together. Maybe it was, maybe it was 15 years ago. Maybe it was a little bit less, yeah. but it was a while ago. Yeah. And, and, and so you know, I, I've watched, you know, my wife, Kaylee, and I used to talk about, you know, the hard work that you were putting in in those early days. And it's been great to see, you know, now we'll travel places and we'll see Hint in places that we just are surprised to see all over the place when we travel. So first of all, congratulations. We're really, you know, really happy to see that happen. But remember all that we remember all the hard work in the beginning that you were putting in. And by the way, personally, cherry is by far your best flavor. I love the cherry flavor. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Well, it is. And the other thing that we hear from consumers and you've kind of lived this too, is that I, I think, you know, we still work really hard as, you know, I'm, I'm, will always be the founder, but I'm the CEO too, but I think just diving in and, you know, especially during COVID, I was sort of going back to my roots to get on the phone with customers and, and, you know, I took a route in, in Marin County and worked through this, just making sure that, you know, not only our team was safe, but also that consumers and the stores were being serviced. And so, you know, I think like that's a big thing that like big companies don't necessarily do is like, you know, if you're a leader and you have the ability to go back and get scrappy um, because, you know, you haven't forgotten how to do that. I think that it ultimately allows you to sort of weather some of these storms um, that we see out there. So um, I think it's, it's something that I've learned along the way. And, and I also hear from so many consumers who have lived with us and see this brand and they feel like they're a part of it too. Like they, they know it, 
right? They they know us, they know um, the brand, and and they feel like I think anytime you can have the consumer feel like they've they've built it with you, that's just a huge benefit. Yeah. So you know that's something that I've really enjoyed in this company that we're building now, and all of us is that in this experience that's been different. You know, as I talked about my background, it was a lot of dealing with big professional institutional customers. And so the ability to do what you're doing is something that I'm just experiencing now, which is to give retail customers something that they can feel a part of and that they can benefit from. And, and it's always more tangible, I think. I had so much to learn. That was another thing that I realized when I, when I decided to start this business was that I wasn't a B2C guy and I really had to surround myself with strong people and I had to learn. And, you know, as I typically did, I read a few books and then I asked, I had a lot of conversations. And so you asked me earlier to come back to that. What am I looking forward to this year? I'm continuing to learn. I'm getting time now to focus less on product build and more on customers and, and how to understand customers and give them a great user experience and understand and iterate products. And so aside from obviously wanting to grow this company and make it more successful, it's really exciting to actually have that interaction with individuals. That's something that like, I'm just loving learning this and that's making this journey really fun. Yeah. And I think that that's, it, it will be, um, it'll be interesting to talk to you in like six months from now, because I think actually having when you think about you know the consumer and and really they're the one that's ultimately going to decide your success right i mean that's what i always say when you embrace the consumer then you actually want to speak to the consumer and you want to understand this consumer and like what's hard what like how do you think about these things you know do you like these social platforms do you um you know do you listen to podcasts, right? Like, I think that there's things like that, that it's really great when you can get that connection with consumers, because then you start to really, um, you know, feel like, okay, I think I can build this and solve some problems for them too. So it'll be exciting. I mean, I love, you know, B2C. Like I, I think, you know, for me, it's just the most exciting because you can actually, you know, get your gut based on your gut feeling based on talking to this con this consumer. So it'll be fun, you know, watching you do this. And especially since you've built many other successful B2B things, it'll be super fun to watch you do this along the way. So I think you've already answered this, but I always ask this question, what makes you unstoppable? Well, <laughs> right. Well, I think that, you know, I think there's three things. I feel like this is the direction the world is going. And so I feel like I feel the wind at my back. I feel the wind at our backs in terms of building this company. There's so many things, the focus on, you know, responsible companies, the focus on environmental social governance stuff, the focus on the demand that companies are more trustworthy and transparent. I just feel we have the wind at our back in terms of what we're trying to do. So that every day feels like we're getting pushed in the direction we want to go. Every day feels, secondly, every day feels exciting and energetic because we feel good about what we're doing. I think what we're doing is valuable. And so it makes it easy to bring the energy that's needed. And the third is I have a really deep experience in finance and particularly data science is applied to finance. So I really feel clear about what we need to do from the product side. And that makes it really easy to to try to deliver on the things that, that we think are valuable. Again, in making sure that customers validate what we're trying to do, product market fit. But I feel that that's, you know, every day I get up and I say, we're being pushed in the direction that we believe in and this is the right direction. It feels good, it feels valuable. 
and we know what we need to do. So I think those are the things that I hope make us unstoppable. That's awesome. So where do people find you, Alan, and, and also All of Us Financial? Yeah, so we're at allofusfinancial.com. And again, we named it that. It's a little bit of a long name, but we named it All of Us because we really wanted to convey that message to everybody. So allofusfinancial.com, there's, you know, it's easy to Google us and then read a bunch of stuff. There's been some press and uh, uh, all kinds of interesting things. We've just recently raised some money, so we've been in the press for that. And so there's lots of Google searches that you can find us across, but you can go straight to our website. We're on mobile, iOS or Android or on the web. And you know, lots of access points, super easy in five minutes to open up an account for those that, that are interested and, you know, really different. We're radically transparent. We, you can go, you can see how much money we're making, how much we're sharing with you, how big the platform is. Absolutely everything about us is transparent in ways that I think will surprise people. Imagine if you could go to Schwab and you knew how many customers they had, how their whole platform is doing, how much money they were making on you. We've tried to do all of those things. So it's easy to find us. And once you join, if you choose to do so, we'd love to have you join. It's also really easy to see exactly what we're up to. That's awesome. And Alan, you're on uh, LinkedIn is is the best. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Super easy to find me on LinkedIn. I'm also, you know, quick to respond if anybody messages me. And uh, yeah, absolutely. We have a Facebook page as well, if you're interested in that. Awesome. Well, this has been super helpful, educational, exciting. Uh, so I can't wait to watch you grow this business. It's it's super, super great. So very, very, very exciting. So everybody leave us a comment and we thank you guys for listening today. So have a great rest of the week. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. like what you heard, please help spread the word and leave us a review. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to spotlight? Please talk to me at Kara Golden on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, be unstoppable. 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 unstoppable.